There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in 10 and branch microfiber. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, a retired NYPD sergeant. And with me tonight, retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing tonight, Phil? Good, Billy. I just want to get into this case so badly. You know, folks, we have a bit of some breaking news here uh, in regards to the Cassie Cawley case. And uh, unfortunately, I'm, I can't report that we found her. Uh, that's not what I'm going to report. Well, what I'm going to report is that Marcus Manavello, the baby's father and her ex-boyfriend, uh, um, he's been arrested. And he the arrest actually took place last night at 11 p.m. in Tennessee, but it wasn't reported until today at 5 p.m. Obviously, law enforcement is trying to keep a lid on this case because they absolutely need to because some of the things that they fear the most are in the charges that were in the warrant for Marcus, uh, Marcus's arrest. Uh, Spanavello was arrested by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation and a Tennessee Highway Patrol in Lebanon, Tennessee. He's being held on the following charges. Tampering with evidence, giving false information concerning a missing, missing person investigation, and destruction of evidence. Spanavello was arrested based on a Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office major crimes warrant, which was signed by a judge. The sheriff, Sheriff's Office actually reported that on Facebook. The case, of course, remains an active investigation. Um, we are cautious as to the information being released due to the sensitivity of this case. Search efforts for Cassie Carley remain underway. The mutual child is still uh, safe, the Post says. Um Carly was officially reported missing on the 27th. So, Phil, that, this is some very good information. And we had spoken about this. We went live today at 2 p.m. And we had spoken about this. Uh, yeah, uh, someone put in the chat, yeah, it sounds like he's on the run. Yeah, he's on the run, apparently, and he's looking to destroy evidence. One of the charges that I couldn't help but see, giving false information concerning a missing person investigation. If you lie to the FBI... You can be arrested just for that. That's not true with regular law enforcement. But if you lie to the FBI, you can be charged and arrested for that. Phil, that's Thomas. one. That's yeah, sure. That's one of the things that uh, jumped right out at me when you told me about the arrested charges, uh, lying to uh, uh, during a, a missing persons investigation. That would fall into the federal jurisdiction, I'm sure. Um, listen, at this point, I don't know where he stands with regard to, uh, you know, whether he's cooperating or not, but he really has to start thinking about, uh, letting us know about letting law enforcement know, let the family know the whereabouts of Cassie, uh, things are not going his way. Uh, this whole plan, whatever he had, uh, cooked up in his, uh, his brain, uh, it all fell apart. Uh, let's do the right thing for this family. Uh, tell us where she is, uh, do the right thing for your daughter, uh, I, I'm glad to see that she's uh, not in his custody anymore. That's what we called for several times this afternoon. And uh, we also said that we would like to have him on ice, put him into custody. That was one of the last things I said on, on the earlier podcast that uh, look for, uh, you know, an open, uh, you know, whether it be a C summons or a uh, moving violation, put him in on that. Cause I don't like the, especially what happened in the Gabby Petito case with Brian Laundrie, when he slipped out from underneath uh, Lawrence law enforcement's nose, we knew who the suspect was then we knew who it was now. And uh, I'm just glad that he was in Tennessee, obviously out of, uh, not in Florida, not in Alabama anymore, and uh, apparently uh, on the run. So I'm just glad they got him. Now they got him on ice. They can build their case from here. Let's see if it turns, which I really hope and pray it doesn't, but let's see if it turns to a homicide investigation. But uh, I think that there's probably a lot more going on behind the scenes that we don't know, Billy. I'm sure that uh, law enforcement is uh, right on top of this, and uh, I'm sure that the searches are being uh, designated into certain areas based on that cell phone activity that we talked about earlier today. 
You know, folks, just to give you a recap in case you haven't heard the early, us come on earlier at 2 p.m. this afternoon. On March 27th, in an interview with NBC News, Carly's sister, Rayanne, said Carly and Zanavello made a last-minute change to the location where they exchanged their daughter. The two had decided on Navarre Beach near where Carly had been staying with her dad. When Carly's father woke up later that night, he told Rayanne neither Carly nor Sailor came home. March 28th, Carly's father calls authorities to report her missing, according to Rayanne. March 29th, Santa Rosa County Sheriff Bob Johnson says deputies discovered Cassie's car outside a restaurant in Navarre Beach. Her purse, which contained all of her belongings, was found inside. Later that day, the sheriff's office made a post on social media asking for the public's help in locating Cassie. On March 30th, Santa Rosa County deputies made the trip up to Birmingham, Alabama, to speak with Spanavello. Johnson said that when deputies arrived, Sailor was home with him. Child Protective Services checks on Sailor, and Spanavello is interviewed by authority. So that was one of our major concerns also. And we called very early that the child should be taken from him because this case is highly, highly suspicious. And one of the things with what we reiterated, well... Nothing but love. Thank you so much for uh, the $100 Super Chat. It's very much appreciated. Thank you so uh, much. Thank you so much. Boxing MMA, thank you for the $5 Super Chat. One of the things that we had said is it's very concerning when someone lies about things that are easily proved as, as lies. And one of the things that he was lying about, and I think I have a potentially a, a picture of it in for you guys to see on the screen, this is one of the text messages uh, that he purportedly sent. A sailor is with me. She wanted to be dropped off in the middle of nowhere in Destin with sailor. I mean, he even said sailor. Shouldn't he, shouldn't he have said Cassie? Uh, I told her I wouldn't let sailor go like that to give me an address, and I take them to it. Yeah, cops already called me, and I might call again for more questions if they do. I will apparently... I will, apparently. Everybody will be asking me that. So I'll just copy and paste what I told you, your father. So obviously, this is this is a text trying to cover his butt, basically. Because he's Absolutely. lying about everything. You know, one of the things he lied about, he, he actually sent a text. We believe he sent a text from her phone. And you can read how clumsy this sounds. I'm sorry, Carl was acting up and I broke my phone. I don't think that Cassie would have spoken or texted like that. Marcus is working on it. I will stay at his place tonight. He is paying me money to do some stuff around his house. And then he writes, uh, no, the screen is jumping. All well, she purportedly wrote, no, the screen is jumping all over the place. Let me see if he can get this fixed and I'll call you. Okay. Very clumsy way, I think, of uh, trying to cover up his uh, his complicity in this case uh bill right from the point uh, the standpoint of law enforcement officer we get called into the case red flag number one the change of the location for the uh exchange of the child that's uh, red flag number one red flag number two these tech me text messages that come apparently from her phone we don't believe it to be her red flag number three we have the uh inconsistencies on where she was going, uh, that she was going to be dropped off. Uh, the uh, number, four, uh, number four would be the uh, no use on the cell phone, no use on the credit cards. So there's three or four or five. You could keep going. Red flags that jump out right away. Um, it, it, the several lies that he told right in the beginning. So those are all the things that uh, raised you and I up right away. Obviously, as investigators, those are the first things we would be questioning. Again, we talked about having a... a a good, uh, a good uh, in interview of him and lock him into a story so that way we can, you know, poke holes in it later on. Now, one of the people in the chat wrote something about scratches. Uh, Rhonda Husserell, um, I wonder if he's got scratches or anything on his body. His sister said she'd fight. That is one of the things I think that she, they probably were exploring right from the beginning to see if he had any visible marks, scratches or anything on him. Now that he's under arrest, I believe they should compel him to disrobe and see if there's any scratch or marks on his body, bite marks. These are all very, very powerful pieces of evidence that if there was some type of violence, 
uh, and she, you know, is uh, no longer with us. That could be used later on down for trial to, uh, you know, to get a conviction uh, for whatever it is, the crime that that we believe he may have committed. So uh, all very good points. We got a lot of great people in the chat on the earlier show that asked some great questions that brought some light to even us that we hadn't even thought of. So uh, whether or not we were talking about whether or not uh, the baby was with uh, Marcus when he met Cassie. So, uh, you know, those are all very good questions. And, uh, you know, I think we're far from over with this case. I think there's a lot more to be done. Probably a lot has been done that we don't know about. We don't have privilege to the obvious, uh, case folder on this investigation, but I do think there's going to be a lot of stuff happening. And I just hope that the family can get some kind of closure, uh, from, uh, you know, if, if she's recovered, uh, hopefully she'll be in a condition that she won't be deceased. I pray and hope for that. I think both of us do and all of the people in the chat do and everybody that knows about this, Kate, we're hoping for that. But uh, whatever happened, uh, we're going to make sure, and I'm sure law enforcement's going to make sure that justice is served in this case. Folks, uh, uh, to recap, Marcus Spanavello, the baby's father and the former boyfriend of Cassie Cawley, has been arrested in Tennessee. He was actually arrested last evening at 11 p.m., but it was not announced by the police until 5 p.m. this afternoon. So most of us, most, most of us content creators, missed this uh, when we won, went on the air earlier. Th so I thought it was important enough to recap what had actually occurred. Uh, he was arrested by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigators and the Tennessee Highway Patrol in Lebanon, Tennessee. He's being held on the following charges, tampering with evidence, giving false information concerning a missing missing person investigation, and destruction of evidence. I mean, very powerful charges because it it implicates him directly in, you know, potentially a kidnapping, potentially a murder. And uh, when someone asked, one of the things that I, we mentioned even on the Naomi uh Naomi Ioni case was, excuse me, Naomi Irian case was that Arian. they would definitely check the perpetrator's body and photograph Absolutely. and see if there are any wounds. They may even, you know, it might be too late to swab for DNA, but there's a potential that uh, there could be DNA in, in wounds or something like that. If in fact he has wounds, and if in fact what we're potentially assuming but there's a lot of facts in this case that are disturbing to investigators. We've seen this type of thing before. And, uh, you know, let's. one of the great things about this is that they did everything that we were saying we hoped that they did. And one of them 100%. was getting the child from him, taking the child away from him. Because could you imagine he hurt the child after they had suspicions that he may have kidnapped or even murdered his wife? And if they had not taken the child from him? So, you know, this, as, as Phil said, this is very early in the investigation, but so, so important. I'm just going to play a little bit of um, J.B. Buno with, with the family. Uh, they've been on this, and there's been search teams um, out there during the whole course uh, of this investigation. You see how much she is loved and people care about. Well, let uh, me let me just make a quick point, Bill. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to make this point. I'm okay, and I'm very happy that they didn't announce it, that they were doing the things that we were calling for behind the scenes, and that even though it was announced today that he was arrested last night, they had the same idea in their head to you know, to preserve the safety of that child. Uh, they came up with a plan. They got him. He was obviously on the run. So I'm okay with all of that. I think it's everything fell into line. They did exactly what they should have been doing. There were no, uh, like what happened in the Brian Laundry case where he slipped out. So uh, very happy that law enforcement uh, is on top of this. And I applaud them. Folks in the chat, just if you came late, yes, the, the baby, the four-year-old girl is safe. She's, uh, they're not revealing where she is right now, but she is safe. Cassie's best friend of 25 years. And can you put into words, each one of you, can you put into words what Cassie means to you and the person that she is? 
Cassie is, she is just a full of life. She is so happy. Anyone that's been around her can just feel her energy is always just full of love and light. And she has touched so many people, not just in our family. I mean, she was the glue in our family that held us together, but in the community, she loved her city of Navarre. She loved the beach. Oh, she was, she loved the outdoors. Taking her daughter to the beach was the highlight of her day. She would go daily if she could. She just so full and excited and hopeful for the future. A very strong person. So strong. Cassie and I went to high school together and I've seen so many people from high school come out in the last five days. It's fueling our fire. Like we're not stopping until we have Cassie and Sailor home. And I have yet to meet a single person with a bad thing to say about her. I can't think of anybody that doesn't like Cassie or wouldn't want to hang out with Cassie because she is always cutting up and laughing. Like when I think of Cassie, the first word that comes to my mind is like joy, joy. And you can tell with the community rallying behind you and your family and Cassie's family and friends, just the rallying that has gone on. It speaks to how um, how much she is loved in this community. It's I've been on the phone really around the clock for the last 24 hours, texting, calling, and the amount of love that has been coming through. It's just, um, it, it, we can hear it in your voice. Um, can you tell us what it was like when you first, when you first found out that uh, Cassie uh, could not be located? Now, again, for the audience just joining us, she, on Sunday night around seven o'clock, she goes across the causeway in Navarre Beach to pick up her daughter. This was relatively normal, right, you guys? I mean, relatively normal to pick up her daughter on a Sunday night because um, her daughter was in her father's custody on the weekends. Do I have this correct? And then something went wrong. Can you kind of walk us through exactly what transpired? It was every other weekend, and it was actually supposed to happen in Destin. It wasn't normal for her to be meeting him there. Sometimes rare, maybe once or twice a year, she had met him in Navarre recently because we understand that there's a family that would babysit often for Marcus when he had his daughter two days out of 14. And for those of you, uh, Marcus is who was named yesterday in the press conference by the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office. Marcus is uh, the four-year-old daughter of Cassie's father, uh, who is in Birmingham, Alabama. But we'll get into that here in in just a few moments. There's a lot to this story. And so what was it like when, and when did you find out, all of you, when did you find out that Cassie had disappeared? And and what was that like? And where did your mind go when you originally heard the news that, that that she was missing? Our fathers, you know, since she resides with him, he was the first immediate red flag when he, um, three hours later, and she still was not home. Uh, and he contacted me the next morning, still just so worrisome. And of course, I reached out to her friends. She is always in contact with her family and friends, even during the exchange. She would have texted. So we immediately are our red flag was Marcus because she has always had some concern for her safety in general, but we know Cassie would have reached out to us if something was not looking right or suspicious. Yeah. She's not like it at all. She's not like it. So we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, she would not have left anywhere with Marcus being in Navarre, her hometown where she grew up and she could have called hundreds of people within a mile's radius to come and get her. Yes. And this is, and this and is her what daughter. has been concerning is because now I have heard, we heard yesterday out of the mouth of the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's office about her purse being located. But what do you, what do we know about her phone? Cause normally somebody goes missing. The first thing you do is you call them, you text them. Do you have any idea where we're not phone sure is? what has happened with her phone? We know that it wasn't in the purse. Um, we know that, I mean, we've all been calling and texting it since we, we realized what was started happening Monday evening. Um, and it's gone straight to voicemail. Her messages, her text messages went from blue to green, which if you know Apple phones, you know that that means something, something changed that shouldn't have changed. Um, we're um, really confident in the Santa Rosa sh- 
Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Department. Um, we feel like they're working really hard um, and they're protecting whatever information that they may have because um, it's in the best interest of finding Cassie right away and prosecuting whoever's responsible for this disappearance. We, I have a, I have a lot of questions to ask in the next, in the next few minutes. I know you guys have to go resume search efforts. You have places to yes. be and you're taking time out of your day to, to join. Folks, you heard that we played that earlier today, uh, search and rescue canine mom. Thank you so much for the nine ninety nine super chat. Guys, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to us on our YouTube, please go to our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to support us on Patreon, we have three different levels. And if you want to join our YouTube family, we have five different levels. You see the folks in the chat in the green font, they're part of the Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories YouTube family. One of the things that bothers me the most about this case, Phil, is there's many things that are premeditated in here. That shows that he's he planned this, you know. Sure, uh, sounds like it. There's there's a um, a picture here. That's his truck and his trailer. I'd be interested to know. Uh, did he have his trailer with him in Tennessee? Was the whatever crime was committed was did he, was he attempting say to clean up the car or the trailer? Did something nefarious happen inside that trailer? In the Maya Malete case. Uh, investigators went to the house and they noted that they had the smell of alcohol all over the place. Bleach. If, uh, yeah, no bleach. Food. And it had a crime scene been cleaned up because of the charges here. And uh, if folks that came in and some people in the chat asked what the charges were, the charges were three, tampering with evidence, giving false information concerning a missing person investigation and destruction of evidence. So, those are not charges that give me confidence that, unfortunately, that we're going to find Cassie alive. Those are very disturbing charges. And the police, I think, know a hell of a lot more that they're not putting out there, which is a very smart thing to do. Kelly Wise, I just uh, listed. Uh, I know you asked what the charges were. I just listed those three charges. So, But they're doing the right thing. He's not going anywhere now. All right, they can hold him in. Hopefully, he's cooperating with police, which I doubt, because it seems like he he was in uh, fleeing mode. Seems like he was he was trying to get the hell out of there. So I don't see him. I see him lawyering right up. That's uh, my prediction. You know, Billy, when we had Chief Boyce on the other night, who's a retired NYPD chief of detectives, he made mention of a specific case, the uh, the Emet Sanguin case. And, you know, there were certain things released to the media that uh, you want out into the public. And there are other things that you hold back for specific reasons. One being uh, you want to make sure you have the right person in custody when you do get a chance to talk to that person or if they tell someone specific details that only a person with intimate knowledge of the crime would know. So they said that the vehicle, um, that the, the cell phone wasn't recovered and they said the purse was recovered. However, they didn't say anything else about, uh, Cassie's vehicle. Now there could have been other stuff. There could have been signs of a struggle. There could have been, uh, maybe some forensic evidence, uh, you know, we don't know exactly what was covered. And that's the way investigation is supposed to be. The you, uh, the uh, media is supposed to be a useful tool to help in these investigations where you can put out a picture, a, a, a be on the lookout, a bolo, as they call it. Uh, you know, information, uh, you know, you want to contact as many people that were in an area where a crime took place to come forward with information. Uh, you put up the picture of his vehicle with the uh, the pickup truck with the uh, the trailer, and then you had her, ve her vehicle. That came from the media uh, running the story, and people sent in pictures, and that's where these pictures came from. So uh, again, uh, we don't re you know we don't uh, tell every specific detail of such a, a, a very important case. Uh, we'll release certain things that we want the public to know. We hold back others. And the reasons for that, as I stated, we want to make sure we have the right person in custody. So in the case that the chief was talking about, 
the Met Sanguine case, there were specific details that were not released. And only one person could have known was the perpetrator. When they interviewed him, he uttered these uh, specific details. I don't want to get into what they were, although they were brought out of trial. But the point is, is that he knew them. Only a person with intimate knowledge of the crime would know these things. So that's a little bit of uh, us holding an ace in the hole, if I make a reference to playing cards. Uh, you know, so there's probably a lot of things that have been done and there's many, many more things that are going to be done going forward. And, uh, I'm just glad that they have them in custody. They have these charges that are probably, uh, you know, uh, not very, very serious charges like a, a murder or a kidnapping charge. However, they're enough to hold them. And then we can move forward, present evidence to a grand jury and go forward. And, and hopefully we can recover Cassie and go from there. Folks, uh, if you're not familiar with this, um, this is a custody um, trade where uh, the the husband, or, or let's put it in this instance, he, he's sort of common law. They have a child in common, and because they 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 don't get along, the child is traded off in a public place. If it's very serious and very dangerous, a lot of times the trade off will be done in a police precinct, which probably is the safest place where you can exchange a child. Now, many of you may ask, well, why does he, did she have to give him the child at all? Well, because fathers in custody battles uh, have rights also. And the They're family right. court yeah. uh, gave him visitation rights, and it was deemed to be, I th think he uh, would get her um, every other weekend yes. for, uh, for two days, twice a month. So they would meet and exchange the child at a agreed-upon location. And apparently, uh, it was it was in Navarre Beach is where they usually. Well, excuse me, it was supposed to be in Destin Beach, right? And he requested they change the location of the exchange to Navarre Beach, which was a little strange to many people. People were concerned that there was a change, that this was a, an unusual thing. But this is very common in uh, custody battles, and family court makes these. Um, the rules, the laws in regards to a very specific case. So if you're wondering why uh, Cassie had to hand over a child, a four-year-old, to his bio her, her biological father, that's the reason, because family court dictates uh, visitation and those type of things. Billy, I just want to make a comment about that. Uh, from experience being on the job, and then I even had family members that had to do such exchanges. And during the family court process, when two people uh, are, in, you know, they're both looking for custody or who's going to have custody, uh, basically it's a family court battle, so to speak. But what happens is, is that the suggestion is made that the, there's going to be visitation by a father or a mother, whatever it may be, uh, and that they will they pick a location, usually. Uh, a lot of times, like you said, in New York, they pick a police precinct. They can make the the exchange in front of the precinct, outside the precinct, inside the precinct. And a lot of times, if it's a volatile situation, they will actually do it right in front of the desk sergeant. So that way, the chances of the exchange turning into a brawl or some kind of violence are very, very minimal. Nobody's going to do that in the presence of police officers. So that's why a lot of times the agreed upon spot is a police precinct. However, when they talked about it, it was supposed to be in desk and it wound up being in, the, I think it's Navarra uh, Beach, Florida. Uh, I believe that the Navarra Beach was less of a drive for Cassie. So he kind of used a place that might have been a little bit more deserted and desolate, but it was more uh, easy for her to get to that location. So she probably agreed upon the switch because, like I said, it's uh, less of a drive. It was closer. And uh, we don't know if... Uh, Sailor was present when the exchange went down, but we do very strongly believe that something uh, very, very uh, suspicious took place uh, at that location. And again, uh, I said, and I think you agreed that th there should be a crime scene at that location looking for evidence of a struggle or blood or anything like that of that nature. So uh, yeah, those are the things that happen in uh, in family court, uh, custody battles. Uh, it sounds like there was a history with this guy. There was a point where he had taken a sailor for two weeks and they had like a negotiation before he gave a uh, sailor back to Cassie, to the family. And when you look at that family, they look like really beautiful people. They look loving. Uh, I think that it was a very nurturing family. She probably 
uh, was very comfortable with the family. And it sounded like maybe he was jealous. He had another agenda and uh, things seem to have spun out of control as of late. But I'm just glad that she's not with him anymore. Hopefully she'll be returned back to that beautiful, loving environment. They look like a nice family. And uh, we got to hope the best for her. And obviously, fingers crossed and prayers that uh, Cassie can be found uh, in good condition. Uh, Mearship, if he pulled a gun on her before, though, as the family says, there should have been reevaluation of his parenting rights. Not sure if there was a report filed or not. Mearship would not either. That came out of um, Cassie's brother's mouth that she had told him that he had threatened her with a gun, that he had physically abused her. So there were definitely some uh, serious problems in this relationship. And that's that's anytime you hear that uh, a, a couple that's broken up or divorced and they're exchanging their child at, at a location, you know that that's not, uh, that's not the usual. There's, there's some kind of problem in that, in, you know, in that relationship where one of them uh, doesn't feel safe enough to be alone with the other so that they, in this case, they exchange the child in a public place. And he had violated that before where he didn't bring the child back. I think any mother out there uh, or any, even any father, if you're the one that has custody, anyone who has legal custody, if someone, your significant or former significant other, doesn't return your child to you, that's got to be terrifying, you know, and usually that can be considered a contempt of court charge because the court orders him the specifics of how and where and when he's to pick up the child and return the child. So he can potentially be arrested for that. I don't know. See, we don't know the history of the family court case either. And there's frequently a, lo a lot of information in that also that the police will be privy to. And they'll have a lot of information. Look, they're digging right now. I mean, when they say tampering with evidence, that makes me nervous. Yes. Just what evidence was he tampering with? You know, do they know more right now than we know? Was there a crime scene inside his uh, trailer that we don't know about? Uh, you know, those are the things that make me a little bit, give me pause, make me a little bit nervous. Uh, that's the picture this is a picture of Navarre Beach. That's Cassie's car. You can see it was all covered. It was recovered there. Now, the story he told that on the text message that she was having problems in a car, that's easily to dispute also. If they have another set of keys, the car starts right up and they drive it. That sh that's shown that's a total lie also. So I, I believe that probably was a lie. Here is his trailer. You can see the truck there and there's the trailer. Also, years ago, uh, I think he has a Cadillac Escalade, if I'm not mistaken. He tried to figure out how to disable um, the OnStar, OnStar. The OnStar program, which tracks everywhere that a vehicle goes. Mm -hmm. So he had uh, been online asking, or they showed it, that he had, was asking, how do I disable the OnStar? Why would you want to do that? You know, uh, that makes me suspicious also. Billy, before I move into that, I want to just make one more comment about family court. You know, family court, people are not understanding so much. Uh, if you've never been involved in family court, it's kind of sounds strange to everyone that she would have to give him uh, visitation. But uh, parental rights, you know, the, the family court uh, system is very... Uh, you know, it, it's based in the law and he does have parental rights. And when there is an issue or a situation where someone brings the, uh, the child back late or the exchange isn't done on time or the exchange isn't done in the location where it was agreed upon, you know, the, the, the courts will then revisit and they actually have a thing called supervised visitation where they appoint a member of a family. Now, in this case, let's say they would get a relative or a friend of the father, bring that person into court. The judge would speak to them and say, I'm going to give you the uh, ability to do supervision of the visitation. Uh, you know, uh, they would ask some questions about the person background. Are you willing to, uh, you know, to report to the court and you will, you take this uh, matter into your, you know, into your hands and, and, you know, agree to, uh, maintain, you know, uh, that there's not going to be any violence or anything like that and supervise the visitation. So there are mechanisms in place to prevent, uh, problems from occurring. However, to still keep the person's, uh, parental rights intact that they do get to visit with 
that person. You know, uh, not every case is simple. They're all very complicated when it comes to family court. And sometimes the, the, the connection with a parent, even though there is a disagreement between the, the mother and the father, the connection with the parent to the child, they say, is, you know, should be maintained for long-term good of the child and stuff like that. So, but I think in this case, it was a little bit beyond that. Uh, he's been exhibiting uh, threats for two years. There's the allegation that he pulled a gun. He didn't return the child for two weeks. So at minimum, at minimum, I think there should have been supervised, if any visitation at all. Uh, it probably should have been not even overnight, in my opinion. And it probably should have been the handoff should have been in the presence of law enforcement at a police station or something of that nature. That's my opinion. Um, when we talk about the vehicles that you just showed, Billy, uh, there may have been an extensive crime scene before they tried to start the car or anything like that. They may, they may have found things in there that they're not saying, and they may have done a complete crime scene examination of that vehicle. They may have tried to recover evidence and then ask for a set of keys or see if the car exhibits any type of mechanical failure. Again, uh, the phone, we don't know if the phone has re been recovered. It sounds to me like he had possession of the phone. If he was thinking in a criminal way, he probably disposed of the phone. However, the phone still had tracking abilities, uh, whatever calls were made, whatever text messages were sent. Uh, there's pings coming off of that phone for location. There will actually be a roadmap for any time that that phone was turned on and active that the police can go back and track. So those are going to be the search areas that I think would be concentrated in the search for Cassie. Uh, again, like you said, Billy, there's a lot of things that they didn't tell us about this case. I'm okay with that. That's the proper protocol. Uh, and I just hope and pray that uh, things turn out uh, in a positive way for Cassie and, and the young lady, uh, Sailor. I'm just glad uh, we, we called for that so strongly this afternoon and uh, just glad that that took place, that she's no longer in uh, in his custody. And let's see where we're going to go from here. You know, there's a lot, a lot of work to be done. In a parking lot at Navarre Beach, a small Florida town on the Gulf of Mexico. According to investigators, Carly was picking up her daughter, Sailor, from her ex-boyfriend. The mother then seemingly vanishes, leaving her car, purse, and belongings in the parking lot where the exchange took place. There were things in the purse we won't comment on, but there's things in the purse that, like I said before, we don't think she would just up and leave. Sailor was found safe. Now the FBI and 10 local detectives are investigating. Authorities say Carly's father reported her missing on Monday and that her ex-boyfriend is cooperating and isn't considered a person of interest in the case. I can say it's an ongoing investigation and he was the last one to see her that we're aware of. So obviously we, uh, we are intent on speaking with him again. Now, Sailor was found safe with her father, Carly's ex, across the border in Alabama. After reviewing the surveillance video, detectives say they don't have any evidence that leads them to believe this is a homicide or an abduction. However, they're still keeping an open mind, Rutabay, based especially on all the red flags in this case. Uh, There's so many questions tonight and so agonizing for the family. Kelly, thank you. Yes. And we want to talk to one of the family members tonight. Rianne Carly is Cassie's sister. She joins us live. Thank you so much for being here. We're so sorry for everything you're going through. I know this is a, a really difficult time for you. When did you know something wasn't right? I knew immediately Monday because we talked daily. Uh, we were at the best we'd ever been in our relationship. And Monday when I hadn't heard from her, I knew something. And my dad called me though that uh, afternoon and confirmed my gut feeling that something was not right. And he had not heard from her. And tell us about his communication before her disappearance. Uh, he, he lives with, she lives with my dad. So, uh, she left out the door, um, just to a typical exchange, uh, go pick up sailor. Hi dad. Be, be right back. I'm just going to go grab sailor. And he's okay. No worries. Um, drifted asleep, but woke back up three hours later and there was no sign of her or sailor, um, home. So that's when he began to worry for the worse. So terrifying. And, and she actually, I understand, always picked a public, well-lit place to exchange her daughter for pickup and, and drop off. But on this night, they changed locations at the last minute. Tell me about that. And then about the place where her car was found, because that was in a dark parking lot, right? Right. Well, their normal exchange was in Destin at a Walmart parking lot. Very well-lit public place. Um, 
seeing as he resided in Panama City, but he had been conveniently working in the area recently uh, in the past month around the area of Navarre to save her that trip to drive all the way out to Destin. Um, so um, she decided to meet him at Juana's. And I think that was just one of the first public locations that popped in her mind that she was comfortable with that usually was uh, well lit or popular with some people. But um, it, unfortunately, it was dark that night. And and police are not talking about that exchange, but they did say that her purse was in the car. And then they also said that Sailor was safe the entire time. What do we know? What can you tell us? We know that Sailor is in Marcus's custody still, but she is not Sailor is not safe until she is home with her maternal family, where she resides normally uh, at dad's house with Cassie. Um, so we are still working on bringing her home, but uh, we are hopeful that we'll get some more answers for Cassie as well. And so there are so many questions and pieces that just haven't been put together, right, in this whole, uh, in this whole disappearance of your sister. Police say they don't suspect foul play. What do you think? Let's just say my sister did not walk away on her own, did not disappear on her own. She has always said, you know, based on his past actions and the issues with the custody agreement going on currently and all that, we knew when she she would never leave her daughter either. So something was not right. Cassie would never um, just disappear like this ever or willingly get in the car with him to go somewhere either unless coerced or something so we knew immediately uh something was not right she this is she was in the best best place ever right now excited to start a new job yeah and and they were sorting over these uh these sorting out these custody issues um and then the her ex and her daughter were found in alabama so what are the circumstances there was that something that was we, was normal we, well we did have knowledge that marcus has worked in alabama before and uh resided traveled back and forth whatnot and, uh my sister was aware of that too um so finding her there was not a super shock but yes um we're not sure, though, if whether Cassie may be somewhere around that area. We are going to be heading that way and searching and hopefully finding more answers. And obviously there were concerns because she hadn't used her phone, her credit card, and then that purse in the car. What do you make of all of that? Just not like my sister. She would never, and especially if she were to leave on her own accord, she would have her purse with her. <laughs> I even joked a little bit. Had she, did she use her card? She loves to use that card. Um, <laughs> No, there's been no sign or trace of her, but we do have hope that she is somewhere and uh, alive and we can bring her home. How is your niece doing? Sailor is okay. Unfortunately, we have not been able to touch direct base with her either. So we're hoping we can change that here within the next day or two, though. We're going through all the paperwork and legal stuff we need to do to bring her home safe. And, and she's such a beautiful woman, I'm sure, inside and out. And I know you have matching tattoos with your sister. Tell me about that. Tell me about the bond with your sister, because this is impacting a family in such a real way. My sister, oh, we grew up, I mean, of course, she's my sister, but she was like a mother figure almost, with ours always working. And we just, as soon as we became adults, we became best friends. Uh, all the bickering just faded away and even lived together for a short amount of time in North Carolina. That's when we got the tattoos. Our dad, uh, we're both daddy girls. Hers a big, she more so. But we got the lizards with his name and his handwriting. And that was what we always said to each other. Loving you always. Uh, L-U-A, L-U-A. It was our little thing. Uh, so. Uh, well, I'm so sorry for everything you're going through. We, we hope that you find her soon. Uh, Rianne, thank you. You know, folks, I just want to say one in one of these uh, in these situations, it's so great that the family has immediately mobilized and started these searches and got people to volunteer because the police obviously can use your help with things like this. Um, finding her, you know, keeping her name out there on social media, keeping it out there in people's sensibilities and people's minds. And, the, you know, we we say it all the time. Again, I use the term ad nauseum. If you see something, say something. Someone may have seen this guy Marcus pulled over on the side of a road somewhere. Uh, you know, with, with the Cassie, uh, the Gabby Petito case, 
you know, Just the Bethune family that. is the one. Their eyes resulted and their camera resulted in finding Gabby Petito. Absolutely. So, if anyone's listening out there that is is from uh, from Florida, from Birmingham, Alabama, or anywhere along the route, you know, if you saw something, even you th- if you think it's not important, let the police know about it. You know, we've posted his um, a picture of his truck, and he has that long trailer. It's it's sort of um, you know, it's it's unmistakable. I think if you see something this large, I know that's a far away shot that we have on the screen. And I believe it's a Cadillac Escalade pulling a rather long uh, black trailer. I mean, uh, pretty easy to spot something like that. Uh, so, again, if you see something, say something. I also want to applaud the amazing job of the police and the FBI. They didn't wait. They knew that they had to push this envelope. You know, if you wait, you know, things don't just come to you. you got to make things happen. And they got out there. I think there's 10... Uh, detectives assigned to this, as well as the FBI. And of course, now you're getting help from other jurisdictions. You know, TBI, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, they probably sent a uh, police message um, over teletype to that area, maybe knowing he was there based on pinging his cell phone, being up on his cell phone. And they may have left a message saying, if you spot this car, pull it over and arrest on site. We have an arrest warrant. We'll electronically send you the arrest warrant and hold them for uh, till we get there. I'm, sh- you know, I don't know that that's in fact what happened, but I, I'm assuming that's what happened because I know how law enforcement works. Billy, I'm just reading in the chat. Fuzzy Doxy is saying there's a local search team in Birmingham. My son is part of it, so it sounds like they have concentrated the search in Birmingham. There may be other searches going on as well, but I think that that's a positive note. Uh, again, based on what you said, either his cell phone or her cell phone may have uh, led them to search in that area. But, you know, I want to go a little bit into the psyche of this guy, Marcus. Now, I dealt with a lot of domestic violence cases, and I had this one specific case where uh, the, the same guy was arrested for the same violation order protection six and seven and eight times. And we would like implore the guy, talk to the guy and tell him, listen, you can't go near your ex-wife. If you go near her, you're going to be arrested again. And he would, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would go along with it, go along with it. And then sure enough, a day or two later, the report would hit our desk. We'd have to go out and arrest him again. Um, It almost seems like the mental state of these domestic violence abusers, they lose touch with reality. And it sounds like that's what happened here because this guy, he made a lot of mistakes. His plan, whatever it was, did he really think he was going to get away and like drive across the country with his daughter and, and he wasn't going to be found and it wasn't going to be investigated? Uh, the lies about uh, the whereabouts, the phony text messages. And then there's all the stuff that we don't know. So again, they, they the domestic violence abusers, they seem to have almost like a tunnel vision where reality is checked out of whatever it is that they see. They only see one thing, whether it be they want the woman back or whether they want the child, they want the woman out of the, out of the picture, whatever the case may be, it's almost as if they become blinded to reality. And I think that's what happened in this case. Uh, it does have signs and signals to me of, uh, you know, that it was, uh, that it was, uh, uh, you know, thought out and uh, premeditated, so to speak. So again, uh, did did he really believe he would get away with this? And whatever it is that happened to Cassie, we already have a kidnapping charge because he violated the uh, the order. You know, to return the child. Uh, we know that she's missing. We don't know what happened, but something happened. So we'll have that. And. Again, like I said, with all the technology of today, the great law enforcement, the FBI, there was no way that he would skirt this. And yet it seems like he went ahead with it anyhow. And I just don't know. There's got to be something in a person's brain that they just they get tunnel vision. They block out everything else. And uh, I don't know. I just wish it didn't happen, obviously. And this man should have uh, maybe the court should have uh, family court should have ordered some psychiatric counseling or evaluation 
again, there was some warning signs. This is going back a couple of years, threats of violence, pulling the gun and all the others. So uh, I just wanted to make that point that I, I've dealt with this before. And I just talking to this individual that I think I'm thinking of the, the guy that we arrested seven and eight times in my office, uh, uh, you know, when I was in the squad, uh, there was no talking to him. He would yes us to debt and say, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And a day later, he was back at the wife's house. So, uh, again, there's, there's obviously some mental component to this whole thing too. Absolutely. Folks, a recap, the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's office announced just before 5 PM Saturday today that Marcus Spanavello is in custody. The Maury County Sheriff's office in Tennessee tells channel three, he was booked into jail Friday night around 11 p.m. So we believe that uh, it was based on an arrest warrant. Spanavel was arrested by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation and the Tennessee Highway Patrol in Lebanon, Tennessee. He's being held on the following charges. Tampering with evidence, giving false information concerning a missing persons investigation, and destruction of evidence. We don't have any type of clarification in regards to those charges, what does that mean? Tampering with evidence? What evidence? Could it be the cell phone evidence? Could he have destroyed the cell phone and maybe it was still on him? Could he have cleaned up the crime scene or a crime scene that was in the back of his van? We know that he lied in text messages. We know that he lied about dropping her off at a friend's house. So he, he had multiple, multiple lies. But we can only assume this. We don't have the um, the clarification from law enforcement because they're not going to give the clarification right now. They want this kept as secretive as possible while they develop this case and while they still conduct the search for Cassie. Unfortunately, in this case, I, I, I you know, I've seen this too many times. I don't expect a, a happy outcome to this. Tomorrow, she's been missing for one week. And I hate to say it, I hate to be the pessimist, but, and I pray, I hope and I pray that they recover Cassie alive, but there's too many red flags here that uh, turn toward uh, a nefarious uh, situation with this. You know, Billy, uh, I have to agree with you. Uh, I don't see a happy ending in this. I don't see a happy outcome. Uh, thankfully, it sounds like the child is safe. That's a great thing. I'm very, very happy about that. Um, I would hope that there was surveillance on this guy round the clock. And I don't mean, you know, hiding in the bushes or down the block with binoculars. I think that they should have sat right out in front of wherever he was that he was parking his ass. And the minute he got up and left or drove away, they should follow him. And maybe when he crossed state lines and went into Tennessee, obviously the, the jurisdiction of the police stay within the state unless there were federal agents present and they may have, called on to the uh, Tennessee Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. Uh, once the warrant was uh, drawn up and signed and it was official, they may have contacted them to do the actual stop and arrest to hold them because they don't have jurisdiction. I don't know what, uh, you know, steps they took to follow him or to keep, uh, you know, keep tabs on him. But that's what I would have requested had I been the investigator on the case, that there should have been a very close uh, surveillance on him. And, uh, you know, uh, the answer would have been, listen, you got police protection around the clock 24 seven. Uh, if he doesn't like it, there's nothing wrong with the police officer following him, uh, till, uh, you know, till we conclude the investigation and find out where Cassie was. I, he was obviously, uh, the suspect, the person of interest, whatever you want to call it right from the jump. We, uh, cited that earlier today when we did our show earlier that, uh, he was the last person known to have seen her alive and well. Uh, so, uh, again, he didn't come up with the right answers when he was first interviewed, his consequential, uh, uh, interviews didn't go so well. We had the text messages, which didn't sound like our according to the family. So with all these things in place, uh, I think that the surveillance should have been there just for the mere fact of keeping that little girl safe. You know, folks up on the screen, um, I have uh, a text that was being sent to, uh, Cassie's father, I believe it was. And and we believe that Marcus sent this text using um, Cassie's phone. And you, I'll read it. I'm sorry, Carl was acting up and I broke my phone. That doesn't sound like from what her 
uh, sister said, her brother said, that doesn't sound like the language she would use. Marcus is working on it. I, I will stay at his place tonight. Apparently, that is something that would never happen. She would never stay at his place. So right there, you know, boing, 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 red flags yeah. are popping up. He's yep. paying me money to do some stuff around his house. I mean, it just sounds like a contrived, poorly written text message. Uh, and then and then he, another text says, no, the screen is jumping all over the place. Let me see if he can get this fixed, and I'll call you. I mean, it seems like it was just a way to bide for time and to, like, throw them off and just make them believe that she was okay, make them believe that everything was copacetic, and the, the reverse is, is true, at the, you know, at this point. Obvious stall tactic on his part to keep the family at bay. It obviously worked. It kept them at bay overnight until the next day when they hadn't heard from her and they saw that the phone sounded like it was turned off or not in an area where it could accept uh, text messages or calls. The no reception that uh, what accounts for the green font on the uh, on the text messages as they go from blue to green. You know that there's a uh, a difference in the uh, in the reception of the phone, either the phone is turned off or it's in a bad area to receive instant messages, which is the blue. So uh, I think, like you said, bing, 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 all the red flags were popping and law enforcement got involved in it right away. Uh, it sounds like, you know, uh, Chief uh, uh, Boyce the other night talked about it. When we get a case like this, there's no time for sleep. We want to, you know, we want to work on this day and night and you just, sometimes you, you run out of steam and, and the boss will tell you, listen, go catch an hour or two on a couch somewhere or in a chair while we're doing this or that. And that's what you do as a detective, as a police officer. And uh, I think that it paid off somewhat, you know, obviously we want to see a good conclusion to this case. I think we have made some, some positive uh, gains in the case because the young girl is safe. We were so happy about that. He's been arrested. Uh, we're going to find out what uh, the whereabouts of her, uh, you know, I think we will come to a conclusion on that. So uh, again, police probably got involved in it after all of this uh, uh, suspicious and uh, foul play took place, but they're doing the best that they can do. They brought the FBI in right away. There's obviously searches going on and uh, they made a lot of headway with the arrest warrant today. Uh, or actually it was last night. They, they placed him into custody. They took custody of the young girl. Hopefully she'll be returned to uh, Cassie's family. Uh, as the sister said, her maternal family, where there was a, a very happy, loving, nurturing family. Uh, that's what that kid's going to need right now. Obviously going through a uh, somewhat of a traumatic experience. And again, uh, there is a chance. There's always a chance that Cassie could be someplace uh, if she's still alive, uh, you know, hopefully he would, uh, tell where she is. If he knows, uh, as you said, Billy, we're not, uh, you know, we're not real hopeful at this point only because of, uh, all the things that already took place, but, uh, you never know, uh, as they say, where the, you know, there's always hope, uh, and where there's life, there's hope. And let's keep our fingers crossed and prayers going that we do get her back. Um, and, uh, we'll just have to see where this goes. We'll just have 100%. to hundred percent Jakey five in regards to, uh, the text messages. So why didn't he let her use his phone to phone her family? Exactly. Boom. Red flags, Jakey five. Exactly. That's what we're talking about. Uh, Yaz daughter. Thank you for covering these cases and giving us a law enforcement perspective. Y'all are appreciated. I came from Gisela's channel. Well, thank you, Yaz's daughter. We're trying to uh, give our expertise of almost of over 50 years of law enforcement experience in, in the NYPD. I ran major cases like this myself with my the A-team from Manhattan North Homicide Squad and uh, squad detectives from all over Manhattan North, sometimes from the South, too. So uh, putting together the organization of major cases like this was what my job was and uh, also deploying the detectives in the uh, most strategic way to come up with uh, a successful conclusion to cases like this. Uh, 
What does this guy do for employment, Venus Gal? Does anyone know? I don't know what he does. We'll do a deeper dive. Sounds like a construction type of uh, job to me, Billy. They said something about he went to a job location. It could be some type of construction. I'm looking at the trailer that's attached to the vehicle. Sometimes those type of trailers hold uh, tools and construction equipment. It could be something that he's living in. I don't know. It's obviously, like you said, it's a far picture, but uh, it sounds like some type of a construction uh, occupation. But uh, one quick thing, Yaz daughter, thank you for coming. Give us the thumbs up and subscribe. We need the support. We try to give his best contact that we, as we can, uh, like Billy said, over almost 50 years of experience uh, in the NYPD working on everything from uh, simple missing person runaways to uh, major case homicide. So thank you for your uh, comment. Folks. Um, Cheryl Barry, I always go with someone, <clears throat> not alone. I even advise my son to have someone with him or at least have his phone video on. It works both ways. Meet in a very public place. Good advice. Yes, I mean, you have to be smart because, you know, things like this, it does go both ways. You know, it's not always the man that's the nutcase. Sometimes it's the woman, and that, that does occur. And But I'm not – I don't even want to talk about that in this case because we know – who the problem person was in this case uh and it's just it's just heartbreak it's heartbreaking but uh, again law enforcement seems to be doing a fantastic job they they got aggressive with this they got right on top of it uh dazzy diva even if she did stay at his night if that was true where is she now 100 it's all on him and thank god he has been arrested well dazzling diva i don't believe she ever stayed at his house. I don't believe if he asked her family, she would ever even consider that. So that lends more credence to the fact that he was the one at the end of that text putting untruthful text to her family. So that's why I think that, uh, you know, he's lied so many times that he's, he's digging himself just a bigger hole, you know. Has he lawyered up? Do you think he'll give up info in exchange for a plea? Rosemary J., it's way, way too early to talk about that. Um, let's hope he gives it up. We don't know what the um, what stage they are at the interview and the interrogation. Remember, he was arrested last night at 11 p.m. in Tennessee. It was just revealed today at 5 p.m. to all of us. So it's early on in, in, in the investigation. Again, there's search parties out all over the place. We're hoping for the best, but, you know, this case has moved pretty quickly. Uh, uh, curious, a curious AF. We have no details. Did they search his vehicle? I mean, that would, I would, without knowing, I would say hundred percent, they would do that. And they would search her vehicle. They would invoice all these vehicles. They would bring the vehicles to a place where they could conduct a in-depth crime scene examination, a forensic investigation, a potentially a forensic garage where you can have all the tools necessary to take a deep dive into these cars. What, Search warrant on his house, wherever he lives. Does he live at a location? Does he have another girlfriend? There's going to be tons interviewing his friends, other family members, co-workers. Uh, Search warrant on his, on, his, on his computer. If he has a home computer, you're going to want to look into his social media. What searches he did. Maybe he was looking at locations to run to. So there's so many things uh, that uh, probably took place, should be taking place if they haven't been. But I'm sure that they're right on top of it. 100%. You know, folks, uh, when we came on today, I just wanted to really, when I saw this happening, I wanted to update you guys. I was uh, hopeful when I saw that there had been an arrest. I didn't know, in fact, what that meant. There's not a lot of information out in regards to the arrest and in regards to what kind of police activity has taken in regards to searches, regards to crime scenes, all of that stuff. So we're going to stay on top of this case we're going to try to keep you informed. And we want to thank you for coming by this evening on this unplanned uh, breaking news. And we applaud you guys. There was almost, there was over 1,200 people in the chat. Uh, those are duty run numbers, you know. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for coming by. Phil, really, I just want to, I want to share something of personal nature with regard to text messages. Now, I have three young daughters, and I just used this last night. Uh, my daughters and I have developed – 
a signal. I call it a signal. You either pick a letter, a word, a phrase, an emoji, something that I only know and they only know. So when they're out and I text them and it's late at night, I say, give me the signal and they send me whatever it is. You can change it, but only you and the person that you're going to, whether it be a child, a loved one, only they know it. So now if someone has my daughter's phone and I say, send me the signal and the right signal doesn't come through, I know that there's a problem. I mean, we talked about in the in the other case that we did the other night about the young lady that was abducted out of the Walmart parking lot, about safe defense, uh, uh, self-defense mechanisms, carrying the keys in your hand, the uh, having the thing on the, on the car fob, the uh, panic button, ready to push that. But I think that when it comes to the, to the cell phones, the text messages, that's a real simple one. Uh, you develop it. If you need to change it every now and then, that's fine. And the thing is that after you say, send me that signal and they send it to you, you need to erase it. They need to erase it. So no one gets their phone and knows what the signal is. I happen to have, my daughter was out late last night. I just used it last night. It gives you a little bit of peace of mind. So, and then they have apps that you can track their locations as well. So just think about those things. Uh, we want to prevent anything like this from ever, ever happening again. Uh, I think uh, had they had that between the sisters, maybe they would have known something was wrong a little bit sooner. I don't know if it would have prevented what eventually happened to Cassie, but at least they would have had a better head start on this. So uh, something to just think about another self-defense safety mechanism uh, that you can uh, employ on your, uh, on your cell phone. Folks, uh, my final words are uh, God bless Cassie's family. We're hoping for a positive conclusion to this. Uh, we're going to stay with this case. If we get any new information tomorrow, we may come back on tomorrow in regards to this. But we just want to thank you, all you guys for tuning in. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, have a great night, and uh, we'll see you soon. Stay safe, everyone. One episode, just ain't enough.